Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode of Ghost Town may contain disturbing or graphic descriptions, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Please use discretion while listening. Murder on the Mountain. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. Southern California's San Gabriel Mountains is Mount Baldy, a private resort town named for its snow-capped peaks, veiled by the majestic foliage of Angeles National Forest. Eventually, a village of luxury, wooded ski chalets made Mount Baldy a moneyed winter wonderland fit for Hollywood's elite. Nowadays, Mount Baldy is just as beautiful and rustic, with wildflower-flanked cabins, tranquil ponds, and winding roads leading to hidden waterfalls. A tourist brochure from the 1900s called Mount Baldy, quote, Far from the crowds, above the clouds. Just because that true doesn't mean this little ski village hasn't had its own history of puzzling and perverse crimes. Today we're talking about a case that caught my eye up on Mount Baldy, the homicide of Jack Irwin. Jack Irwin moved to Mount Baldy for his own piece of snowy paradise. A Korean War veteran in the 70s, he did well for himself in Los Angeles, but craves a private refuge far from the fast-paced Southern California life. He lives simply and quietly, loves mystery novels, old movies, and, despite a speech impediment brought on by a neurological disorder, chatting with locals at the post office or the Mount Baldy country store. He is beloved by the town, but especially by Marsha Johnson, a computer programmer, and her girlfriend, drug counselor Judy Gellert. The three became fast friends, bonding over their love for their natural, quiet surroundings. In February of 1999, Irwin buys a new two-story house up the road and sells his cabin to Johnson and Gellert described in the listing as, quote, the cleanest, cutest cabin you ever saw. The three become even closer, looking out for each other in their exclusive snow-peaked utopia, until October 3rd, 1999. On October 3rd, Johnson calls Detective Steve Folks, a Mount Baldy missing persons officer, to report her friend Jack Irwin missing. Johnson is upset and confused. She tells Folks that Irwin had purchased a train ticket to visit Seattle. On September 13th, she dropped him off at the train station, but never heard from him again. Irwin's neighbors and friends, Susan Hegemeyer and Doug Hopkins, are also concerned, as is Sandy Bailey, the Mount Baldy postmaster, and one of Irwin's closest friends. Irwin is the godfather to her only son. Bailey notices that Irwin has stopped returning her calls about a month before. Folks posted missing persons flyers all over town. The flyer notes the information Johnson has told him. Jack had last been seen at the Upland Metrolink station on September 13th, wearing a purple shirt and green jeans and carrying $5,000 in cash. 
folks also started asking the neighbors about what they had potentially seen and heard surrounding Irwin's disappearance. Susan Hegemeyer confronts folks saying that he has it all wrong. Irwin was dead, and someone on Mount Baldy knew more than they were letting on. Now, folks doesn't not believe Susan Hegemeyer, the concerned neighbor who doesn't think Jack Irwin just got restless and needed a vacation. Irwin's story of depression reinforced the idea of him wanting to get out of town. He had bouts of depression and struggled with his own mental health. Earlier in his life, he'd been hit by a hand grenade while fighting in the Korean War and was thrown out of the army. He also suffered from dystonia, a progressive neurological disorder that began as an uncontrollable twitch and eventually attacked his vocal cords. Doctors prescribed him lots of pills for the condition. He got so depressed, he told Sandy Bailey's husband, Tom Bailey, that he wanted to kill himself. But Hagemeyer holds fast to her beliefs. Jack has always been a good neighbor, but in the months before it became almost impossible to talk to him without, quote, the girls hovering around the background, reminding him to eat and cloyingly calling him dad. Once, when Hegemeyer knocked on Jack's door to tell him to turn off his long-running lawn sprinklers, she found the three of them, Erwin, Johnson, and Gellert, sitting in a dark room filled with candles, holding what she thought was a seance. Quote, what are you doing, said Hegemeyer, a short and feisty Italian-American. Quote, oh, now that we're family, explained Jack, I'm telling them my life story and they're telling me theirs. As the investigation continues, folks enlist police chief Marty Throvenel. Together, they learn that Erwin has a significant amount of money, one that his frugal lifestyle doesn't reflect. Erwin has at least $234,000 in his local savings account alone, kept at least $10,000 around the house, and always carried a wallet thick with cash. Still, Thuvenel rationalizes, this doesn't mean the man was murdered. Unimpressed with the investigation's progress, Sandy Bailey puts up her own missing persons posters all over Mount Baldy and leaves messages for Jack on his answering machine. When questioned by folks, she said she knows her friend John Erwin is dead. She's putting up the signs and making the calls to aggravate Johnson and Gellert, whom she thinks killed her friend. For example, one early November, she cheerily reminded Johnson that she was expecting Jack for Thanksgiving this year. Quote, I knew Jack was dead, said Bailey. I just did it to aggravate Marsha. A bit later, says Bailey, Johnson confronted her at the post office and told her, quote, I'm sick and tired of your leaving messages. She responded, quote, that's Jack's house I'm calling, and that's his answering machine I'm leaving the messages on, pointed out Bailey. A month or so later, Marsha Johnson was back at the post office again, this time blaming Bailey for spreading rumors that she killed Jack. Quote, I'm suing you all for slander, and don't think I don't have the money to do it. I have more money than anyone on Mount Baldy. Thuvenel learns that Johnson and Gellert have never been the friendliest of people, especially to new business owners in the area. Johnson and Gellert would tend to start fights that were broken up by local U.S. service ranger Larry Brown. Gellert, the softer spoken of the couple, thinks the community hate stemmed from bigotry. Quote, they hated us, Johnson would later say. They were really shitty. They were so mean to us we quit going to church. Gellert, normally the peacemaker of the two, was apparently so disturbed by the encounter with the ranger that she noted the confrontation in her diary. Quote, I knew I reacted in an extreme manner, but I could not take another round of hate and bigotry. Meanwhile, Thuvenel, folks, and Irwin's friends search the lakes, valleys, and campgrounds for signs of a body, but their search is unsuccessful. The soil is tested around Irwin's estate and comes up positive for blood, but it is impossible to say if it even came from a human being, let alone Jack Irwin. More of the investigation after. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now... All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. After this break. Hi. Hello. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? Hello. 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 Good? Oh, we love good. to hear it. We love to you hear it. You doing good? We want to say hello to anyone who's listening, supporting us, spreading the good word of ghost town Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you very very much we appreciate it yes we do very much and yeah we're rebels (laughs) you know we go against the grain yeah but we always come back around to talk about our government (gasps) yeah how could we not though look at them they're adorable yeah we're standing with our leather jacket smoking a ciggy but when, when it comes time to talk about the government no, Ooh, yeah. back straight, back cigarettes straight. put out, out. Um, nice tweed jacket. Okay, <laughs> here we are heading off to school. And we pay tribute to our mayors mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who are rebels in their own right. That's right. If they want to be. And they do. Hmm. And they will. Hmm. 65 miles an hour. Try 67. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It goes there. Wow. This Subaru Outback <laughs> goes there. I drive a Subaru Outback. Just yeah. letting you know. It's a nice car. It's a nice car. It's a good a, car. It's a good car. Dependable. It's a solid car. Not a new car, but it is a car. It's a car. It is a car. Confirmed it as car. It is a car. Mm-hmm. And this Rebel puts the pedal, not to the metal, but a little bit closer to the metal. Ooh. Emma Hopkins. Hello. This Rebel, do they do their homework? Yes. Oh, okay. Is it last minute? Sort of. Mm. Sort of. <laughs> they don't do it the second they get the assignment. Uh-uh. But they also leave enough time to do it and do a good job. Yeah, they don't want to be doing homework on Sundays. No. You know. That's the very, very studious Matthew Clemens Larray. Hello. This rebel? Yeah, they like to party. <laughs> they do like to party. Um, karaoke? Yes, please. Mm. Uh, a song that is controversial? No, thank you. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, thank you. Maybe Total Eclipse of the Heart, something 80s. Yeah, yeah. You know. No, like, Anaconda. We're Your not... Anaconda want no buns. No, no, no Anaconda, absolutely not. No buns. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The people are like, what are you talking about? They're like, how, how old literally, are you? Literally, yeah. <laughs> But uh, they will go up and do a lot of karaoke singing sensible songs. Nice. It's Kelly Meehan. Hello. This rebel likes to shop. Mm. And uh, if they want something, will they pay full price? Yeah, because they want it. Will they spend four to six weeks price shopping and (laughs) comparing and seeing what promo code, just typing in? Test 10, just to see if anything works. <laughs> yes, they will. Mm-hmm. They will squander the few precious moments they have on earth to do that. Nice. But when it comes time to do it, they just pay full price. Wow. Cat Joselle. Hello. This rebel, they'll show up to a restaurant, no resi, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, table for 14, please. <laughs> and 
they'll get that table. Wow. And they're just like, I didn't need to make a reservation. Are they sitting outside in a tented area? <laughs> yes. Next to like a heating lamp? Mm-hmm. Sure. But did they make a reservation? No. No. That's Mercer Rothermel. Hello. This rebel? Oh, you do not want to get caught in a dark alley with this rebel. Uh-oh. They will. You do not want to do it too, because they will tell you about your, their job promotion. <gasps> they will tell you about their job promotion. Wow. And you're like, I don't really understand quite what you're saying, but yeah. good for you. And they'll break down. They'll be mm-hmm. like, okay, well, here's what I'm getting. They kind of baked in. The 401k is baked mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. and then the chairs that they get, and they match. Mm-hmm. Everything's matched. Yeah. But it's a dark alley. Oh. Ooh, it's a dark it's alley. It's chilly in there, but too. a very competitive package of their new job. Nice. And you nice. will hear about all of it. Amazing. That's Ashley Matson. Hello. And then the leader of the pack. Ooh. Our governor. Cruising in on a, not a motorcycle, Fuck only no. a jet. Yeah, Jets private. only. That's right. And if they're private, she's like, yeah, that's what I deserve. Yeah. You, like business class, maybe. If, if in I'm, a pinch. You know, yeah, kind of yeah. like if I'm kind of like with the pores. Yeah. Then I'll, I'll if I here. have to. Doesn't play by any rules Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. except the rules of whatever cabal she's working yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because we know she is. She's pulling all the strings. Mm-hmm. She's doing all the things. Mm-hmm. No one knows what she does. I de- define this person. I dare you. I Mm-mm. dare you. Define this person. I've tried. Be Can't do it. Be careful, though. I've been on Earth a lot. I know. You, you better not. Ni- you better not miss. Because you know? you'll end up in that dark alley. Yeah. And it'll be a private jet landed on yeah. top of you. You're gonna. F- and Parking will not, be hell. You do not want that. That would be our governor, Avian Noble. Noble. No ads, no chit-chat, bonus episodes, just the good stuff, seven days free. Patreon.com slash ghost town pod. You want to help out? Do it. Dollar, two dollars. Mm-hmm. You, you, you want to listen to these ads ad-free. You can burn through them. There's like 70, 80 bonus episodes. We're so working on a bonus many. episode now. We, we have are, it in front of us. We are. Things just take time. They do. When we decide like what's a bonus episode, mm-hmm. it's got to be something. Yeah. And sometimes the last minute we're like, that's not a bonus episode. Yeah, we're like, that doesn't enough. quite work. That doesn't quite work. Yeah. And if you want to help, uh, we're on Instagram and TikTok mm-hmm. making some videos. It's at Ghost Town Pod. Give it a heart. Give it a plus. We'd love Give that. it a thumbs up. Give it a kick. Give it a swoosh. <laughs> swipe left. Swipe right. Do something oh. on it. Scream at it. I don't care. Scream at the app. <laughs> Maybe we'll take any engagement we yeah, can get. That's true. And let's go, I guess, back up that mountain. Let's get back to Mount Baldy in the summer of 2000 when Johnson and Gellert, Irwin's best friends, and the people that bought his cabin from him discover someone has burglarized their home when they're on vacation in San Diego. Then on August 11th, 2000, their house is set on fire. The couple is beside themselves. Their best friend is gone. Their belongings are stolen or destroyed, and they feel ostracized by the hyper-conservative community that they call home. So Johnson and Gellert leave Mount Baldy and move an hour away to Lake Elsinore in San Bernardino County. In June of 2001, though, the disappearance slash investigation of Jack Irwin has gone cold. Folks and Thovenel have long ago run out of people to interview and fearful the disappearance will never be solved within their limited resources, contact Morley Weiss, an elder abuse investigator. Weiss does some digging, finally gaining access to Irwin's financials. He realizes that the benefactor to Irwin's money and trust was none other than Marsha Johnson and Judy Gellert. Within hours of Irwin's disappearance, they make a $4,000 withdrawal from the trust in the exact same day Irwin says she dropped him off at the Metrolink station. 
In the days that followed, more money, over $310,000, is drained from Irwin's accounts. Weiss is confused. If Johnson and Gellert wanted Irwin dead, why did Johnson file the initial missing persons report, speeding up the investigative process? But after talking to Doug Hopkins, he has his answer. Hopkins threatened that if Johnson and Gellert didn't go to the police department to file the report, he'd go himself and create a lot of pain for them in the process. Weiss happens upon another clue that leads him to Johnson and Gellert. Two days after the cabin fire, Tom Fee, an arson investigator hired by State Farm, tapes a rambling interview with Johnson, where she mentions she's suing her psychologist, Deborah Martin. When Weiss asked Fee about the fire, Fee recommends that he check out the lawsuit. A year later, Weiss finally receives documents from the Board of Psychology and discovers some shocking information. Johnson was hospitalized for psychosis and hallucinations a year before. There, she began an intense love affair with her counselor, Deborah Martin, eventually admitting to Deborah that she had killed Jack Irwin. When the affair turns sour, Johnson reconciles with Judy Gellert and turns her wrath on Deborah. Although they've spent approximately 10 years together, Gellert once wrote in a journal that she and Marsha tended to, quote, fight, disagree, and pick at each other over small things. Marsha, who was seven years younger than her partner, complained that after Judy went through menopause, she wasn't interested in sex anymore. In late 1998, Judy Gellert declared bankruptcy, claiming debts of $95,000 and assets of only $33,000, including a 250 Jack Russell Terrier. Later, Marsha Johnson declared bankruptcy as well, listing debts of $44,000 and only $900 in assets. The lawsuit establishes what Sandy Bailey knew all along. Something horrible happened to Irwin at the hands of Marsha Johnson and quite possibly Judy Gellert. In October 2002, with the help of San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department Detective Bobby Dean, Weiss starts wiretapping the women's phones. On October 9, 2002, Gellert is arrested for accessory to murder. To the couple's astonishment, Johnson is not taken at the time, a tactic Dean employs to get more evidence to convict her. After trying to assemble bail, Johnson flees to El Cajon, California, before her own arrest on October 11, 2002, a little more than three years after Irwin's disappearance. At the San Bernardino Police Department, Marsha Ann Johnson makes a full confession. On September 13, 1999, Johnson is at Jack's home and shoots her friend in the head. She cuts off Irwin's head, feet, and hands with a chainsaw, loads the dismembered body in her SUV, and then stops along Mount Baldy Road to begin hiding the body parts. Johnson said she took Irwin's head out of a plastic bag and rolled it down a hill, yelling at it for, quote, making me do this to him as it tumbled away. She then drops off the rest of the body parts at remote locations in and around Mount Baldy. To this day, the remains of Irwin have not been found. Gellert strikes a plea bargain in exchange for testimony against Johnson and is sentenced to 180 days in jail and five years probation and is ordered to pay $150,000 in restitution. At Johnson's trial, she's pretty much eviscerated. Quote, you told police Mr. Irwin purchased a train ticket to see the Emerald City of Seattle, but the jury did not believe that. Superior Court Judge Gus James Skropos told Johnson at the sentencing hearing in Rancho Cucamonga, what they bought was that he purchased a one-way ticket to the afterworld from you, and that the ticket was punched, not by a conductor, but by you. Marsha Johnson was convicted on 26 counts, including murder, arson, and grand theft. She is sentenced to life without the possibility of parole, and her appeal, most recently, has been denied. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs 
or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.